Welcome back. As I said to you earlier on, we do have joining us at this point, and I'm a gentleman who's been with us before, and that, of course, is our minister, who has been pretty busy these days, Minister of Foreign and Caricom Affairs, Dr. Amory Brown. Good morning to you, Minister, and welcome back to our program. Good morning, Satish. Yes, I'm here. Good morning to you. Good morning to your listeners across Trinidad and Tobago and it, it, it's, it's, it's nice to have you on this morning. There, there are a lot of things that we can discuss, the most recent of which was the first ever CARICOM Canada Summit. And that was an interesting summit, to say the least. And some of the stories that we got out of it suggested that the discussions there were very, very relevant to what's taking place here at home and how we can solicit the assistance of Canada in treating with some of these things. Let's begin by telling us um, what was the intention behind holding the summit in the first instance before we get into the nitty-gritty of some of what was discussed? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with the topic because the relationship between Canada and CAVCOM is viewed as very important by Trinidad and Tobago and the rest of the regional family. <clears throat> Canada has been a long-standing partner of CARICOM, but there really is an interest on both sides in deepening this relationship and making it more meaningful for both the regional family and for the Canadian people. Um, as you know, we are very much connected by diaspora on both sides. Uh, with respect to Trinidad and Tobago, we have over 100,000 of our nationals in Canada, and there's a, a significant number of Canadians living here as well as across the region as well. Uh, we have economic, uh, trade, investment linkages. There's an interest in deepening those. And then, of course, there is a security, a, a potential for a deeper security partnership as well. So there, there's a, a, a strong backdrop, a strong interest, and this summit was discussed for several years. Of course, COVID-19 came and interrupted the plans for many such events. I recall when we were at the COP26 World Climate Summit in Scotland, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was there and had some discussion with, with CARICOM leaders, including Prime Minister Rowley. And there was some anxiety or recognition that this summit was due, but we were still battling with, with COVID-19. And at that point, there was some uncertainty as to whether it would be hosted in the Caribbean. Uh, uh, TNT was discussed at one point as a, as a, a potential venue, or whether Canada would, would get the ball. And as you would recognize in the end, the determination was made uh, that this would be hosted in Ottawa. It did occur, Prime Minister, and uh, a, a wide range of heads of government from the community attended and deemed the summit to be a success. And of course, there's considerable follow-up. Mm. That there are some amongst us who adopt a flippant approach to summits and gatherings and discussions like these. Uh, there are some people who do not necessarily think that they bring us any kind of results. 
Uh, how important were these discussions to addressing some of the issues that, that confront us? Uh, they are extremely important. Uh, if you just look at the existing connections, Trinidad and Tobago has exports to Canada that range between $700 million and $800 million per annum. That's just on, a, on, on average. Uh, our exports include uh, downstream petroleum products, LNG, urea. We export pepper sauce and a range of food products. We export beer to Canada, fish, chilled and fresh fish, etc. And we also have significant imports. So just with respect to the, the, the current trade situation, it is very important that we maintain dialogue with our key trading partners. Uh, we, we cannot take these markets for granted. And at the same time, we, all, we are always pressing to expand these markets. Mm -hmm. What does that entail? Of course, it entails trade missions and the TTMA and exporters linking with their counterparts. But the high-level political connections are critical to this because it is their decisions. Let's say they change their, their trade policy, they introduce a new tax, uh, they, 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 I'm just saying in, in theory, with any partner. Uh, we saw what happened with the, the European Union uh, and the issues of bananas years ago and how that has affected the Eastern Caribbean profoundly. So it is very important to maintain dialogue. It's important to to pursue new memoranda of understanding and to ensure that the interests of your nation, your region, are always advanced and protected. That occurs at a number of levels, but you are right. Sometimes people discount the political level. They feel it's just old talk or people knocking glasses. But that's where a lot of these things begin. Uh, even things that, let me try to connect it more closely to the ordinary person, the issue of visa to, for travel to Canada or other parts of the world. Those discussions really are initiated at the very highest level. And there is great. Oh, Dr. Brown, your, your microphone is muted. For Trinidad and Tobago, and I assure you, for the rest of the region as well. We also, Canada is a, a big country. They are first world, considered a developed country. And they have access to corridors and fora that countries like ours and countries like CARICOM members do not have access to. And there, there's great potential there. So when we have these summits, the, the agenda is developed between both sides, the Canadians and the CARICOM side. And it is incumbent upon us, and we did it on this occasion, I was involved in those discussions, to ensure that the agenda includes not just Canada's priority, but ours as well. So we can present our priorities, present our perspectives to the Canadian and the other partners when we have these summits and advocate that they convey these to the, those corridors in which, uh, to which we do not have access. So there, there are many benefits, uh, but I understand people will have their views. There is a, a responsibility as, as part of a regional policy and a, a, a foreign policy 
to continue those uh, high-level dialogues and connections. It really is important mm -hmm. to the country and to its citizens. Let's, let's get on to the nitty-gritty of some of the, the issues that were focused on um, at these talks. Tell us about some of those. Okay, well, uh, one of the areas of discussion was Haiti. As you know, Haiti is a uh, member state of CARICOM. It's the largest, most popular member state in our region and is in crisis at this time, both at the, the with respect to the control of gangs of major parts of the capital and other areas. And there's also a political, civil, and humanitarian crisis. Uh, so inevitably, that was a significant part of these discussions with appeals for uh, ongoing and increased Canadian involvement and leadership of a response, as well as sharing of uh, CARICOM's activities in working with stakeholders within Haiti, an exchange of information and, and analysis, and uh, some joint planning as to how we can improve our, our coordination and support for a multinational uh, force that is intended to help bring relief in coordination with the Haitian National Police. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the other areas that we discussed at the summit were, were, were uh, the security situation in the region and the role that CARICOP can, uh, that Canada can play. As you know, Trinidad and Tobago has a lead responsibility within the CARICOM quasi cabinet. There was extensive discussion uh, on security arrangements as well. Uh, the other area that was discussed uh, is the issue of diaspora, uh, the role of the, the educational opportunities in Canada, such as the university system and even other levels in uh, providing training opportunities and uh, education opportunities for people within the CARICOM region. There was discussion on the agricultural programs, such as the seasonal worker program in Canada. There was discussion on climate change and many other issues of of relevance to the world today. Mm. Um, we need to take a couple of messages, but when we get back, there are some other developments that uh, are closer to home that may necessarily um, uh, are things we want to look at. And that, of course, is what's going on between Guyana and Venezuela at this point in time, and whether or not th there's anything there that we should be concerned of as a nation and some other things we'll get to for those of you if you joined us late we are speaking this morning with our minister of foreign and caricom affairs dr amory brown stay with us welcome back our special guest with us here this morning our Minister of Foreign and CARICOM Affairs, Dr. Amory Brown, before we went to the break. For those of you, if you'd like to join the conversation, feel free to give us a call. Uh, and Dr. Brown, before we went to the break, I was suggesting we've been seeing some reports coming out of Guyana. It's been in our, in our local newscasts as well about what's happening between Guyana and Venezuela and the disputed territory. 
uh, we had most recently, I think, uh, some political analysts or the other suggesting that that's something we need to keep a close eye on because it may or may not have an impact on us one way or the other. Your thoughts? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, the circumstances related to the border area that uh, has been the subject of several media reports and social media output, etc. I, I refer to the border between Guyana and Venezuela. That situation certainly has been the subject of considerable discussion and attention and collaboration within CARICOM. I'm part of a four group of which comprises all of the foreign ministers of the Caribbean community. A key part of that group is my friend, the Honorable Hugh Todd, the foreign minister of Guyana. We speak on a daily basis this group and share information and receive updates from amongst us and sometimes from outside of the group on key issues affecting the Caribbean community. As you would expect, this particular issue has been the subject of considerable discussion among the foreign ministers. Mm -hmm. And as I indicated, we receive regular and ongoing updates. CARICOM, led by this COFCO uh, group, has been putting out uh, public communication uh, reflecting the position of the Caribbean community on such contemporary matters. Just yesterday, we released, we, the Caribbean community, released uh, an official statement on this uh, the decision, the announcement by the Venezuelan National Assembly to conduct a referendum, and the statement went on to make, uh, to, to indicate CARICOM's strong position on the issue of this border controversy. I can summarize it in the following way. The matter is currently before the International Court of Justice. There was a determination at the ICG that it, the, it has jurisdiction in this particular matter. And CARICOM is uh, of the view that the court's final decision that is peaceful and in accordance with international law. So this is, this is a matter that is properly before the correct legal international authority. A determination will be made, and we are calling on all states to exercise calm, restraint, respect the international legal process, and abide by the determination when it is made. Mm -hmm. that, that is CARICOM's position, which means that is the position of Bahamas, Jamaica, Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago, and all our membership. Mm. Uh, we're coming close to the end of our interview, and I have a couple of messages just before the news, but there's one other issue that I wanted to get your, your opinion or update on. Uh, in, in April of this year, we hosted um, a crime symposium um, at, at which we had regional leaders, and some discussions were held about treating with crime in a specific manner um, across the region. 
And uh, I think back then we were told that there was supposed to be some follow-up action in August. What has been going on with those discussions? Do you have an update for us as what's taking place? Yes. A, a lot has been going on on the issue of crime with respect to a regional response. So there has been, coming out of that some symposium, increased resourcing for CARICOM impacts, which is our regional security mechanism. There has been very much increased inputs from our key international partners who attended the symposium, who participated in those initial discussions, and who have remained in dialogue at a sectoral level. And I refer to partners such as the United States of America, such as uh, Canada, such as the European Union, such as the United Kingdom. So that is underway. And one of the, the most important threads coming out of this symposium has been the regional group of attorneys general has gone into high gear and have been working on model legislation, recognizing that we share similar barriers within our parliamentary systems, within our, our, our judiciaries, etc. Working on model legislation and uh, uh, other forms of assistance for, that would benefit each jurisdiction in moving the fight against the criminal element forward. So I would say there have been considerable benefits uh, in, in recent days, we've been very encouraged by some positive reports. There's a sense that the, certainly at the local level, the Trinidad and Tobago Police Service has turned up its volume and is more robust in the fight against the criminal element. But this is not a, a, a one-piece puzzle, and it involves stemming the, the inflow of guns and the export of guns, legal export of guns from first world countries such as the United States of America. And again, there's ongoing work in that direction as well, in coordination with the government of the United States of America. Just two days ago, we had a vice admiral of the US Navy here with us, meeting with the prime minister, meeting with the PHA and other relevant authorities in this country, uh, uh, working on issues such as an upcoming Trade Winds mission, which involves uh, disaster of prevention and preparedness activities, uh, sharing of medical and other support equipment, as well as focusing on training, including intelligence support training for various arms of the uniform services in Trinidad and Tobago and across the region. There, there's a lot happening. But, of course, there's a need for results and maintenance of this issue as a priority. We, we are committed to doing so. Uh, Dr. Bondas, we're going to have to leave it here this morning. Thank you so much for being with us and for giving us uh, the information that some of us need to clarify in our minds what's going on with some of these international discussions that we've been having and some of the matters closer okay. to home. Just before I go, Satish, I, I heard you speaking about some of the attacks on the temples a little earlier. Mm -hmm. And I want to reiterate what I said in the Senate this week, which is a categorical condemnation of all such attacks, acts of vandalism and desecration of religious sites particularly as raised by independent Senator Deiru Tima, the Hindu temple 
that have been attacked, vandalized, or desecrated. Uh, it is my view that what is required at, that, at this stage is a, a categorical condemnation of those activities and the attention of the Trinidad and Tobago police service to ensure that the perpetrators and whoever is behind those uh, deplorable actions be brought to justice. You see, there's a lot of other charter which I will not get involved in, but that is the position at this time. And of course, I've been in follow-up communication with Senator Timal and others who remain very concerned about this situation. Yeah. That those activities do not reflect Trinidad and Tobago, and they must be stopped with immediate effect. Yeah, thank you so much. I agreed fully 100%. Thank you for being with us here this morning, Minister. It was always nice having you on our program to discuss some of these matters. Have a great day. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, how we end our interview with our Minister of CARICOM and Foreign Affairs, Dr. Emery Brown.